Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Joe Pag Show. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man on. His name is Tim Murtaugh. Tim, am I saying that right? You say Murtaugh, right? That's correct, yes. Okay. Like the Lethal and, Weapon movies. Well, uh, very good. I just wanted to make sure. Some people say Murtaugh or something like that. But uh, good, to, good to meet you face-to-face. We follow each other over on X. I know that you're a former communications director with President Trump. How are you, by the way? Good to see you. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm very, very appreciative of uh, being able to talk to you today. And it has been. I've been, I've been knowing about Joe Pags for years now, and I can't believe this is the first time I've been on the show. What an honor! What an it's honor. pretty well. Thank you. It's an the honor is mine. What's interesting is, as the communications guy, you probably were part of coordinating all the people that came on the show, including the president himself. So I appreciate all the work that you've done for us. You've got a new book, a new book out called Swing Hard in Case You Hit It: My Escape from Addiction and, and uh, Shot at Redemption on the Trump Campaign. For those who don't know you, and again, I think that people know um, uh, communications directors like Kaylee McEnany or, or before her, who was the guy, the Italian guy that was in there for like 11 days? Oh, uh, Scaramucci. Scaramucci. We had yeah. him on. He was a big Trump guy, too. Now he's not anymore. Not but right. uh, the communications director basically coordinates the communications from the campaign to the media, to the press, to the social media and everything else. Is the job not to be noticed or is the job to be noticed? Uh, well, people approach it different ways. I mean, uh, some people are just like at the White House communications director, for example, typically is not seen on TV very much. And the White House press secretary is the one who's out front on that. Uh, on the Trump campaign in 2020 as communications director, I did I did a lot of television hits. I went on Fox News all the time. And I also went and did some of the uh, less friendly ones on CNN and MSNBC. And I uh, did uh, some NBC online stuff and, and a lot of the a lot of the, what people would consider hostile. So I, I guess I was was fairly visible, but certainly not not as visible as uh, Kaylee McEnany was when she was at the podium at the White House, for sure. But, uh, you know, the, the, the comms director really should be able to be content to be a little bit more in the shadows, really. Yeah, well, I mean, you're setting up the communications, not necessarily being the person who does it, but obviously you speak well, and you're a very smart guy, so being out in front of it uh, makes sense as well. I want to get into the book in earnest in a second, and your life story, where you went from addicted to alcohol to being the communications director for the most important person on the planet. I want to do that in, in a second, but sure. do, do you care to, to talk to me about KJP and the job she's doing? And the reason I bring her up is because she walked out, Kareem Jean-Pierre, she walked out day one and she said, I am a female, I am black, I am an immigrant, and I'm gay. So, I mean, almost like laying down the gauntlet, you're not allowed to question anything I'm about to say because I just told you why I'm so intersectional. Did that, did that jump out at you like it did me that day or not? <laughs> Well, you know, you get that from the left all the time, this, yeah. all the boxes that they're checking. And so it didn't surprise me that that's the way they would lead with her and, and talk about her identity more than they would talk about her qualifications for the job, because that's status quo for the left, really. Yes. But what I see from her at the White House podium, and let me let me be clear about this, I have never held the job of White House press secretary. And so right. I, I only know from people telling me how difficult the job is, like Kaylee. I know Kaylee McEnany quite well, and I know Sean Spicer, and I know Sarah right. Sanders, and I, and I know the, the folks who have had that job. And I think if you look at the White House press secretaries over the course of the last, oh, say, 20 years, 
I, I think you have to say that Corinne Jean-Pierre is among the very worst, if if not the worst. I think they send her out there and she is not prepared. She doesn't know the answers to a lot of the questions. Uh, I think a lot of times they send her out there with bad information. And I, I, frankly, I don't think that they trust her because I don't think that they have told her what is actually going on inside the White House, frankly. And well, she's, I, I, I don't think she's doing I don't necessarily I don't think that Joe Biden is a good president. I don't, right. and I don't. I don't think he deserves to be reelected. Certainly, but I do think that her her performance as White House press secretary is not doing a service to her boss, the president. Well, you and I agree. It's Tim Murtaugh. Go and get this book called Swing Hard in case you, you hit it. And we'll get into that in earnest in a second. I know Kaylee very well. She's been on the show a lot. I know Sean very well. I've been on his show. He's been on my show. And, and the job appears to be from them to sit down with the president and then give what he wants to be given out to the press. Um, I don't think Corrine Jean Pierre ever talks to Joe Biden. Do you? It doesn't show. I mean, if she does, yeah, I, I yeah. don't think it doesn't seem to me and I'm not inside the Biden White House, so I, right. I don't know this. But just from outward appearances, it does not seem to me that she is permitted to be inside important meetings. Uh, she doesn't appear to be up to speed on a lot of stuff. I think it's you know, this happens sometimes, I think, in the White House, but it seems to be a daily occurrence. It seems to me that the press corps knows more about what's going on inside the White House than the White House press secretary does. And I think that's a bad position to be in. And I think I think she is just not good at the job. No, I agree with you. It's uh, Tim Murtaugh. As the communications director for the campaign, I'm guessing you knew exactly what Trump wanted and then you did what he wanted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I pick up the phrasing of your question there. Um, I think we knew, I think we were very clear on the things that the president did not like. Yes. And I think we were clear on the specific things that he did like. And, and let me tell you, like when you were going on TV, you knew what words he was wanting you to use at that point in time, depending yes. on what the issue was. And let me tell you that if you went on TV and you said some things or said phrase things in a way that he did not like, you would know about it almost immediately because there's nothing really that stops your heart worse then or more suddenly than when you answer your phone, it says unknown number or maybe four zeros, it might say. And you answer the right. phone and it's a voice that says, uh, Mr. Murtaugh, do you have a moment to speak to the president? And then you'll know when that phone rings 20 seconds after you just got off Fox News and you know, you know, that means he was watching. Uh, it means he probably was displeased by something that he saw. Right. So, and you didn't do that very often. But but, you know, those calls do happen. What's interesting about right. Trump uh, and I tell people this all the time. I was one of five talk show hosts that was invited to the White House one day to interview him in the green room. And it was amazing to me or the East Room, whatever it's called. Uh, it was amazing how nice a guy he is. He's a really nice guy. But when it comes down to business, he's serious about business. And he said this to me, I think, before we started the interview. And you know that I've had him on 13 times now. But he said this to me. He said, I don't care what you ask me as long as you're fair. As long as you're not, as long as you're not you know, coming in with a narrative or an agenda, I'll answer any questions no matter how hard they are or how soft they are. And that, that really is who the guy is. What people don't seem to understand about him is that he reacts to negativity by hitting you back twice as hard. And I think people make that, make that out to be that he's a mean guy. Like if you got that phone call from him after you got, you got off of Fox, you probably deserved it, right? Well, yeah, and he wasn't yelling. He would first right. he would say, well, Tim, first of all, you're doing a great job. Just saw you on Fox. Great job. Just great job. Just perfect. The way you hit that. One thing, <laughs> one thing, though, what we should try to adjust is the way we talk about such and such, you know. Yeah. And I think you see what a contrast between Trump's uh, approach and his style in dealing with the press versus Joe Biden, for example, or any other president, but in particular, Joe Biden. Here you have Trump would go up there and stand in front of the hostile, the most hostile press corps in the history of this country, really, yes. and stand up there for 90 minutes 
and take all their questions basically until they ran out of questions. And here you have Joe Biden walking off stage as reporters shout questions after him, and he never turns around to address their questions. He treats Peter Ducey from Fox News like he has leprosy, for God's yes. sake. You know? yeah. And Trump would go up there and do you know a battle of wits with Jim Acosta every day. He and Jim Acosta a- wrote a book. As he was covering Trump, that's how good the, 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 the content was. You're right about that. The last question, I think, that a media member yelled at Joe Biden was when he was coming out of shopping for Christmas, and they said, Mr. President, what did you buy? Oh, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, Trump sure. would, I would literally, Tim, I would yell at the screen. You could ask anybody around me. Uh, please, Mr. Trump, go back behind the door. He would stand there, as you said, 90 minutes, sometimes two hours. And it was no win proposition. I think he liked it. He liked the jousting. But it was a no win proposition because he was never going to win them over. Like Sam Donaldson was hard on Reagan. But I think Reagan eventually won him over through his humor and his wit. Trump, I don't think he understood that it was not going to be a win-loss thing. They were always going to make him look bad. Well, I don't know if he ever thought he was going to win them over or not, but I, I do think he enjoys the battle. I think there's <laughs> yes. no question of that. You think? I think he always has. That wasn't new you know, when he went into the White House. It didn't just happen to him. I think he always enjoyed that. But even so, I mean, every single day when he was walking out to Marine One to get on the helicopter to go somewhere, he would stop, either coming or going, he would stop and talk to the press corps. And yes. I know a lot of times the White House staff would wish that he didn't do that because right. sometimes you know they would have to go, then it becomes work for them. Like, what did the president mean? when he said this and all that stuff. And lucky right. for us on the campaign, we had a policy was we, were, we weren't going to explain or, or in any way interpret tweets or, or what the president said. Hey, he said what he said. He tweeted what he tweeted. Make yes. of it what you will. You know, right. those are his words. Yeah. Deal with it. Deal it's with Tim it. Murtaugh. By the way, you said Marine One. It's actually Joe Biden says it's Air Force Helicopter One. I don't know if you knew that. but that, Is that that's the, what he calls the, it? The, really? the way he, he said that Ronald Reagan offered Air Force Helicopter One for him back in the 1980s when he had an aneurysm or something. The, guy, the guy's gone, and I think we could probably agree to that. It's Tim Murtaugh. It's M-U-R-T-A-U-G-H. Go follow him over on X. It's Tim Murtaugh, Correct. just all one word. The book one is word. called Swing Hard In Case You Hit It. Um, let's get into this. So you literally woke up in jail. Yeah. And four years later, you're the communications director for Donald Trump. How the hell did that happen? Well, I mean, every I guess I could walk through it every step of the way, but that, that would take a while. I was already in communications and I had been a, a decades long, really bad alcoholic drinking every single day, all day long, day drinking and everything. And I was working on Capitol Hill and I, I had had a couple of DUIs and, and convictions for those DUIs and a, a handful of other uh, alcohol related arrests. And one day when I was on probation for my second DUI, I got arrested for a drunken public and I found myself waking up in jail. That was May 16th, 2015. And I still had suspended time hanging over my head for my DUI sentence, 80 days in fact. And I knew that if I did not get my act together and straighten things out and quit drinking right then, that I was going to go to jail for nearly three months and it was going to be the end of everything. Professionally, certainly. Uh, my personal life, my brand new wife was just about at her wit's end with me. My family didn't know what else to do with me. And so I did manage to get things back together. I, I quit drinking. That was my last drink. That's my sober date, May 16th. 2015, so about wow. eight and a half, eight and a half years ago. Congratulations! So. Thank you, thank you very much. And I, I managed to, you know, I was already fairly along in my career, and then um, I, President Trump won the election in November of 2016. A guy named Sonny Perdue, who I did not know, but I knew people who worked for Sonny Perdue yes. when he was governor of Georgia. He on. took he took me on at USDA, and then two years later, I joined the Trump campaign. And every every step along the way, I was very honest. I was honest with Sonny Perdue. I was honest with President Trump and Brad Parscale, the campaign manager at the time. Right. And I said, look, I've got this in my background. 
if anybody takes 10 minutes to look into my background, they'll find my, find my record. And the attitude was, have you recovered? Are you still drinking? I said, no. Well, then we'll, if anything happens, we'll deal with it as it comes. But right now, welcome aboard. And I am grateful for that. The president uh, said he liked uh, comeback stories. He liked redemption stories. And uh, I will forever be grateful for that because it was the greatest experience of my professional career serving for two full years as comms director for the president's reelection campaign in 2019 and 2020. I'll say it again. Congratulations. There's so much recidivism when it comes to drinking and driving, when it comes to alcohol addiction. Um, to, to beat it is really a great story. You know what really bothers me, Tim? And it, it goes into what we just talked about a little while ago. Jim Acosta should have done that story on you. These people well, should have found the goodness. Um, it doesn't matter that you were associated <laughs> with Trump. It doesn't matter that you're a conservative or that you're on the right. Why not do that story and say, look, here's a guy who, who not only was who redeemed himself in his life and his, and his personal life with his wife and his family, but he also became the comms director for the one of the most important people on the planet that's a great story well i think unfortunately for a lot of journalists i, I have the wrong letter next to my name i have, yeah. have an r there instead of a d yeah. but you know i, I can't i'm not going to hold anything against the entire press corps because right after i got one of the reasons why i wrote this book and i'll tell you there's two reasons the first is i, I went to rehab five times and i spent a lot of time in the bookstores when I was in, in rehab and I and I, they had a lot of clinical books where it was mostly like medical textbooks telling you what addiction does to the body and all that. Right. But I gravitated towards the personal stories of people who had made it through and beaten the addiction. And that's what I wanted to write because those books helped me. And if I wrote a book like that and told my story, now be careful, it's not a it's not a how-to. It's right. not a how-to book of how to get sober. It just it just describes how I did it. And it's never the same for for uh, other people. It's everyone has their own story. The other reason I wrote the book is because right after I got hired in 2019, February of 2019, I started getting phone calls immediately from members of the Washington Press Corps who said that they had been offered my dossier, basically my arrest record from opposition researchers. And they they were the, the opposition researchers, of course, Democrats were trying to get people to write negative stories about me right. in an effort to hurt President Trump. Now, thankfully, we were able to win the arguments and, and explain to them how it wasn't relevant. At this point, my most recent arrest was, had been four years earlier. Right. Now it's eight and a half years ago. But we were able to convince them that it wasn't relevant to what we were doing on the campaign. And so those stories never did get written. But uh, people did try to write stories about my alcohol or people tried to get people to write stories about my alcohol use. Uh, but thankfully, those didn't. And But those are the two reasons that to, to take to one to help people who were like me at the time with the way I was at the time, because books like this helped me. Uh, and the other reason was to take power away from people who would use this against me. If, if, if I ever get a phone call like that again, I'll say, yeah, I, I did have a long-standing alcohol problem. In fact, I wrote a book about it. Here's a link. Please buy a copy. You know, yeah. at this point, I should point out it's available for pre-sale on Amazon.com right now. It comes out in April. Swing hard in case you hit it by me, Tim Murtaugh, on Amazon.com. It is uh, Tim Murtaugh, as he said, at Tim Murtaugh over on X. Go make sure you give him a follow. Go to Amazon and pre-order his book called Swing Hard in Case You Hit It. A lot of baseball references there. Your, your podcast is called The Line Drive Podcast. Are you a ball player? That, well, I mean, I, I think the talent got watered down by generation. <laughs> this picture behind me is the 1960 uh, world champion Pittsburgh Pirates. And, right. Um, my grandfather was the manager of that team, Danny Murtaugh. Love and, that. And uh, he was the manager of two World Series champions, 1960 and 1971, both with the Pirates. My dad played minor league baseball all the way up to AAA, and uh, I wasn't quite good enough to play Division One college. So the, the talent got watered down by generation. But, yeah, it's a baseball reference. Swing hard in case you hit it, the title of the book, is what my father used to say to me when I would leave the house for baseball practice when I was a kid because, you know, I, and I, I took that 
And I think it's actually a good philosophy for life in general, yeah. because if you're going to be doing anything in life, you might as well take a pretty good hack at it just in case you make contact, right? Because that way, if you swing hard and you do hit it, then you'll have a better result as if you only you know, took a half swing at it, really. So swing hard in case you hit it. Available now for presale on Amazon.com. By the way, if you don't swing at all, you have no chance. That's true. So you, That's yeah, true. And it's, a, it's all about taking opportunities as they come. And, and I love that it actually is a direct baseball reference, too. I played baseball through uh, high school, and uh, I was a catcher, so we were kindred spirits that way. Well, yeah. what, what do we find out in the Line Drive podcast? What do you guys talk about? Well, this week we just had an episode that go up. We have a radio legend. Sorry to step on any toes here, Joe. I, I pre- I'm sorry about that. But uh, Des Moines radio legend Simon Conway. Uh, is on with us, and he, he is the eyes and ears of a lot of people in, in Iowa, and he previews the Iowa caucuses for us. As And as I'm talking to you, it's Friday, and the caucuses are Monday, so I think very timely. So that's we, we talk Extremely. about current events in the presidential race, and it's with Hogan Gidley as well and uh, Sonny Joy Nelson, uh, all three of us alums of uh, the Trump campaign slash Trump White House. Uh, I, I, I'm great friends with Simon. I cannot do his accent, so he's got me there. Uh, without a doubt, he's straight from uh, from England, and also yeah. we uh, we think the world of Hogan Gidley. Uh, I'm going to check out the podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Again, we follow each other over on X. Do me a favor. Come back more often. Now, you're, you're still a Trump guy, right? You're not in the campaign, but when it comes down to it, as far as the candidates go, you're Trump. I am. Yeah, I'm not currently, I should say currently, I am not currently working on the campaign in, in right. any manner, cons- consultant or otherwise. But yes, I'm a Trump supporter. I'm a Trump voter. I think he was an excellent president, and I think he deserves to be president again. If you don't, Tim, give me 20 seconds on this. I don't think anybody else should have run. I think that he deserved a second term, and I think that DeSantis was a shoe-in in 28. I don't know why these other people jumped in. Uh, any thoughts on that quickly? I think that you're exactly dead on. I've been saying this for a little while that I think it boils down to this. It's as simple as this. The reason why DeSantis didn't succeed like a lot of people thought or Nikki Haley or anybody else really is because he Trump is effectively the incumbent in this race. Yes. A super majority of Republican voters, a super majority, like three quarters of them, believe very strongly that he should be either still be president and be president again, uh, or they think that he at the very least deserves another crack at the title. Yes. And so yeah. that's that I think all of that was completely insurmountable for anyone else in the field that it's still Trump's turn. That's basically it. I could not agree more. Again, it's Tim Murtaugh. Go and follow him on X. Get this book. It's called Swing Hard in Case You Hit It. Tim, let's do it again soon. I appreciate you. You bet it. Joe Pags, it's an honor and a pleasure. I'd love to come back. Honor is mine. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pags Show. Great to have you. I appreciate you taking the time tonight. That's going to do it for us for a Free Speech Friday. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast anywhere you get great podcasts. If you want to watch it, you can go to Rumble tonight, rumble.com slash Joe Pags. It's going to be up and running there. You'll see all the interviews as well as see all of us do the show. That is Sam. That is Carrie. That's Kurt. And for Polo, I'm Joe. Have a great weekend. And go follow all the short videos. We'll put some of those up too. See ya. This is the Joe Pags Show.